John Hardy, tell... John Hardy tells the... After. You, you go after. Oh, sorry, Scott. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> they need to hear the voice. Oh, yeah, because... Okay, you're the voice. I'm the organ. You're the organ. Yeah, right, right, right. <clears throat> John, John Hardy tells the story of a man who, angry with the local priest, decides to seek revenge by attacking the very thing that priests hold most dear. But, just because you may hate or scoff at something you don't believe to be true, it doesn't mean it doesn't believe in you or has power over you. This is Major Turpin and the Holy Ghost. What a pair. Major Turpin and the Holy Ghost. Major Turpin pauses in the darkness at the side door of the church. On this clear night with a bright moon, the recess for the door is in dark shadow. Through his binoculars, he had seen Father Murphy reach up to his left. He tries to copy the priest's gesture as if blind. His fingers touch a key on a hook. He lifts it off with great care. Mustn't drop it. The key fits, but the lock grinds. When he pushes the door, the scream of the hinges curdles the spit in his mouth. Can't this benighted priest maintain his property? There is enough light from the moon and he doesn't need his flashlight. The sinister whisper of his old sneakers on the stone floor, knots his stomach. Little spurts of adrenaline enter his bloodstream. He feels his heart stumbling and increasing speed. Pausing at one end of a row of pews, he puts out a hand to steady himself and touches something soft and warm. Someone is sitting there in the dark. A scream emerges from his chest in a hoarse, that echoes in a continuous croak in the great stone dome. But wait, somebody, some idiot, has left a toque on the pointed upright at the end of the pew at head height. He curses, feeling his pulse take another jump. Come on, man, pull yourself together. This, this won't do. He pads up to the tall pulpit with its tiny winding staircase. The major feels in his coat pocket for the nail, the hammer, and the note. Revenge will be sweet indeed. <laughs> the Major's low opinion of the Catholic Church in general, and of Father Murphy in particular, had been simmering for years, but it had boiled over during a municipal consultation about the location of a septic treatment facility. Both the Major and the Father had NIMBY issues and were at the meeting. One possible location for the facility was close to the Catholic Church. Major Turpin had been unable to resist the temptation 
of drawing a parallel between a facility to deal with human excrement and one for the use of Catholics. <laughs> I, I, I believe that it would be quite fitting that the two facilities should be side by side, he had declared with undisguised relish. In fact, I, I can't think of a better site for a sewage treatment plant than beside an institution that tries to hide the smell of shit. Now, Father Murphy is a good man, a mild man. He has never been known to raise his voice, but this was too much. Enough, he shouted, drowning out the major's last word. Everybody blinked. Father Murphy, too, seemed to be startled at the sudden silence, but he soldiered on. You go too far, sir. You have every right to express your views on this matter, but not to the extent of making sacrilegious comments. And, but nobody interrupted the major in full spate. Ha! Sacrilegious, you say? And what about your precious church, Mr. Murphy? It has committed more than its fair share of sacrilegious acts, don't you think, huh? You ought to be ashamed of yourself, standing there in your holier-than-thou cassock. This time, the mayor, who was moderating the meeting, cut off the major. But despite his intervention, the situation had deteriorated. The major enjoyed the memory of how he had berated the shrunken priest. The last straw had come when the wretched cleric had squared his shoulders and spouted some Latin at him, something about Pax Fobiscum. He then made the sign of the cross, turned his back and walked out. The infernal cheek. The major positions his flashlight on the pulpit steps to illuminate his work. The first strike of the hammer is a direct hit on the head of the nail. The sound is horribly loud, resonating and repeating around the church walls. The major freezes in horror. Surely someone will hear. He must hurry. Bang! Bang, bang, bang. The blows become frantic and the echoes roll around the sanctuary. Although sure that his cause is right, a niggling doubt creeps up like a poisonous spirit behind the major as he delivers one final smack on the nail, now driven deep into the ancient wood of the pulpit. Sweat drips onto his hand as he tests his work. No, that won't budge. And at that moment... He feels a deathly chill on his back. He spins round, stabbing the little light, first onto the altar, then the gleaming cross, the stained glass windows, finally resting on the face of Christ himself, who is looking directly at him. His arms spread in serene invitation, his features smooth with a gentle reproach. The major drops the hammer, backs away, and turns to flee. Dr. Cousineau's knees are killing him. He flips his stethoscope round his neck and slowly straightens up, trying not to grunt. He nods to Father Murphy and the policeman. Yes, he's quite dead. The major lies crumpled at their feet, his face contorted into a mask of terror. Eyes bulging, mouth agape. His normally ruddy complexion is a pale waxy purple. 
It looks as though someone had tried to drag him by the armpits up the pulpit stairs. The tail of his coat is caught on a large nail, pulling his arms back. Probably a heart attack, the doctor says, several hours ago. The policeman looks at the torn sheet of paper on the pulpit steps. In black felt pen and clumsy printing is written, Shame on you. God may forgive you, but I never will. Father Murphy crosses himself.